Now, I know we usually like to highlight uh, cultural, uh, I was going to say oddity, but cultural excitements from from the from Matt Ray's uh, adopted home country of the moment, yeah. Granola Land. No, no, uh, uh, Australia. But you know, just just uh, just a couple minutes by boat east of Australia is this other country, New Zealand, which is basically Australia, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you just pissed off our New Zealand listener. Yes, yes. So my uh, my son has a good friend who is a uh, who's a New Zealander, and he was he was over here for a sleepover, and we were talking with his uh, his mom or mum, as it were, uh, when she came over to pick him up, and she she told him to get his jandals, and uh, she was like, "Oh, that's that's a word we have, as Kiwis have, that no one knows what that means." And jandals is apparently the word for like sandals or flip-flops or whatever uh and so yep. we knew jandal and she's like oh and then the other word we have that no one knows what it means is togs uh which apparently for some reason means swimsuit that's right oh so they've got like different words for swimsuits between sydney and melbourne mm. um, what do they call them oh jeez i know you'd ask i do um one place it's swimmers and oh yeah I don't remember what the other one is, but it's not swimsuit. <laughs> and then, and then, what what was the uh, what was that thing your son was in? Like little little nippers, little, little nippers. That's right. Yeah, nippers. <laughs> yeah, not not getting the uptake this year. Still still working on them. Trying to get someone to volunteer, but uh, you might not be seeing me at the beach every Sunday morning at eight a.m. Ooh, <laughs> that sounds nice for you. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Kids, kids need their exercise now, and I'm also looking up to verify this, but I feel like I feel like I was looking up some chart. I was trying to figure out what the uh, the standard glass of wine is, you know, because they say you should have two glasses of wine a day, or should is the wrong word. They say that's it's it's okay. <laughs> and I remember wait, for day, not for meal. I've been doing this wrong. Whoa, wait, I've got some <laughs> other something else to verify now. I like the way you think, uh, but I I came across a chart. That was like country by country, uh, like sort of standard ideas for alcohol content and volume. And I feel like Australia was double everything else. So <laughs> I need to find this chart again. I had it on my phone, but it, you know, needless to say, I wasn't surprised. Uh, it, That's it looked... why they call it the lucky country. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So as always, you know, uh, much appreciation to people over there in Southern Oceania doing a good job <laughs> holding holding things down keeping it keeping things going well there was a um uh you know is vm world this week everyone's favorite week in systems management now now you may be thinking this is also the week that we got a detailed overview of datadog's uh filing i haven't actually yeah. looked at the filing but there's a great overview uh, as far as i'm concerned uh in the um what do you call it in in medium do y'all still read yes. a, a lot of stuff in Medium? Is Medium still a thing? Uh, every every time I follow a link there, it tells me that I need to turn off my ad blocker. <laughs> oh man! Please help the starving children. I do think it is Medium is a good, a good go to for I think people that are have really good content but they just don't want to create their own site. Like I think mm, this data yeah. dog analysis falls in that category. So it is uh, yeah. surprisingly detailed when you get in there. Sometimes good stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, I used uh, it for I used it for a few years, and it and it like. I know I've commented on this in the past, but it, it like people actually read it, unlike my blog. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's 
It's very tempting. But I, I'd retracted all my stuff because I was just like, oh, I'm that guy. I, I want to own my own stuff. Anyways, the uh, before we get to the VM world, just the, uh, the data dog stuff is actually, you know, that analysis is pretty interesting. And I think I think the thing I would highlight for people who uh, listen to this show is there's a pretty it's not spelled out explicitly, but you can see all of the uh, the wafting sense of a good modern day uh, like infrastructure business where there's basically a very low and as far as time, effort and money like uh, entry, you know, you time was you could get a T-shirt for trying it out if you knew the code around here. Uh, but it's a very low entry. You can self-service and then you can even see how they structure their go to market around, uh, you know, on the high end, dedicated teams uh, to to each account. And then you've got more uh, more uh, high volume, like uh, like inside people and also self-service stuff. And I think I think I finally understand. I've now I've forgotten it since I read it, but. The person who wrote up this analysis used the phrase flywheel and uh, mm-hmm. described it. So I feel like I feel like flywheel is like a cooler word than maybe like uh, like a little bit of synergy is in there. Maybe like one part synergy and maybe about four parts. Like that's how business works. I think that's what flywheel means, if, if I understand. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it definitely after reading through that, the, that's one uh, article on Medium, the uh, Definitely saw why people keep doing monitoring startups, mm, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I mean, I was reading through it and thinking about you know my own uh, company that I work at that happens to have you know the flywheel motion and you know recurring revenue. And I was like, these guys, they've got it going on. Like, you know, um, it it uh, it's a very sunny S one. So I, I expect uh, good things for our friends at Datadog and, yeah, uh, and standard A sixteen Z. I guess, I guess, I guess, tell me if I'm wrong. Like I said, I forgot, but, but I think what flywheel actually means is like customer expansion. Is that right? Like account expansion that like there's, there's like a reason that gets on there and then you expand their account either by more use or by, um, what do they call it? Not ancillary, but like, uh, buying more from the portfolio uh, of stuff. I, don't I mean, know. Uh, the, I obviously don't know the, what flywheel means. Yeah, I was about to say the 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 flywheel is it's a, a, a machine that stores energy as long as you keep putting energy into it. Whoa. And you know, if you turn off the energy, it will give it back to you. So, you turn off the um, oh, so I it's see. like a battery, right? It's okay. like a battery. Um, it's a mechanical battery, essentially. So. Uh, the reason they use this flywheel metaphor is as long as it keeps spinning, you know, every year you're going to keep having that recurring revenue and it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. And, you know, you don't, you can't turn it off overnight. You know, it, if, if you, if you unplug, you know, if you turn off the company, um, or if you turned off sales, it would keep making money, you know, quarter after quarter. Because it's a subscription business, maybe with like, uh, maybe with commitments forward. And, uh, therefore well, it, 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 you know, or, or even if there's not commitments, the assumption is like with subscription stuff that people won't like just cancel it outright. Well, so, and, and they're highly unlikely to cancel like in bulk. And so in, in like, you, well, well, I mean the, you know, you're not going to have like all the customers like, Oh, we switched to the hot new thing. Now it's like yeah. the revenue becomes really predictable. Um, you know, you just kind of have this steady growth and, uh, you know, most of your renewals happen really frequently. They had, you know, great churn numbers, great renewal numbers. They're, you know, uh, 
other products and adjacent, you know, they're, they're, they're different uh, suites of products apparently are very complimentary. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's a compelling us one. Well, listen, mm-hmm. I am looking forward to when they, uh, they do a service desk. That's going to be good. <laughs> you're going to need yeah, some help, right? help things in there now. Well, in- it, is, it is interesting when you take a quick look at it. It's uh, they're, they're in infrastructure monitoring, APM, log management, user experience monitor, and network performance monitoring. Now, the most important thing I do when I look at the S1 for a monitoring company, I search for the name Nagios. How many times did it come up? Zero. So Whoa. I always think it's funny. Like nobody is competing with Nagios. Everyone is competing with someone bigger and uh, that has a higher market cap. But I believe, I still believe today, as I believe, I believe for 20 plus years, the number one monitoring to- tool in the world remains to be Nagios. Th- so, uh, doesn't everyone use like graphite now or something? Or, yeah, uh, Nag- or well, that's what it's matched yeah. up, right? Nagios for the monitoring, graphite for the, for that's for the chart, the reporting or the charting. Oh, and then, of course, yes, there's yes. like your, jade, your pager duty, right? Of course, for your notification. So um, I still mean well, that-, that, that that triumvirate is is got, I don't know some unbelievable amount of market share if we were to study yeah. it. At least they, they, when they call it their competition, there's the homegrown solutions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so, it, but it's, you know, it's, it's no no no. It's not homegrown. It's Nagios. <laughs> it's Nagios plus you know plus some uh Kibana and uh you know um maybe some gray log or you know some of the, the cheaper there well the not cheaper but open source uh log monitoring stuff. You know there there's definitely there's definitely a waterline of you know stuff below the level that is open source and you know people can put together, but you know, I from what I see of people using uh, Datadog, you know, they're generally pretty happy. Um, you know, a little grumbling about the price, but it's kind of at a <laughs> that's a sure sign spot. of mainstream success. If we learn if we learned anything from Splunk, once people complain about the price, it means you've won. No, 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 no. I mean, they're they're. I hate to pick on Splunk, but like people really complain about Splunk's pricing. Mm. I mean, people avoid using Splunk because of pricing. Ugh. You know, they're like, "Well, these logs don't go to Splunk because of pricing." I'm getting to be an old guy with my two glasses of wine. Did I already tell the story about the guy at DevOps Days who said Red Hat was expensive? I forget if I went over that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Pricing. <laughs> well, now, now, yeah. now. Uh, just as another quick one in IPO news, Brandon. Ping Identity is filing for an IPO. Now, I want you to remind me, they they used to be, this is a private equity exit, right? Or were they yeah, never yeah. public? Like, what's, Hold what's on, the let story? me get one more in. I had one more fact. All right, I all right. All this work on Datadog. I had to just get in with my, the last oh, I'm one. Sorry. I'm Interesting sorry, I don't fact want to step was, on your uh, facts. $225 million. That's what their uh, AWS contract is for. So hmm. I thought that is a lot, I don't know, it just gives you a sense of, um, I guess they signed in 2019, Datadog signed an agreement with AWS. They're required to spend $225 million of cloud services from ADS through 2022. So I guess we could work out what how many years that is. But it is interesting to see just how much it costs to store all that data, all that monitoring data. So I, I, I honestly, I don't, I, it seems like not a bad deal, but I don't know. It's one of these things like I would love to see bills from other um, providers. The ones that I've seen, we were much smaller than the Datadog, were pretty high. So this seems in line, but still, yeah. still quite interesting. And so. I, guess, I guess as another as one of those things that I, you know, it would be fun to do, but I'll I'll never get around to it. it, would, it there's a yeah, I think their revenue was like 198 million, so something like that. It was it was just under 200 million, and uh, it'd be fun to look at like I don't know what metrics you would have for comparison, but like from an investor or just a company perspective to look at like 
total VC number of years operating and uh, revenue and sort of the curve of like uh, time to profitability. And then sort of like mix that with the, um, the pricing model as it were. And, uh, and costs are in, you know, curved profitability, but it would be interesting to know if like this business model, which other people use is sort of like an optimized business model versus like, uh, the big bang business model or like the even smaller business model. But, you know, somewhere there's this, there's this good sort of like, no matter what's, and, and the point of that being that like, no matter how complicated or important or on the other side, simple, and cheap you think your software is maybe you just shoot for this kind of business model and pricing and like that's the optimal way to uh value for the company or mm-hmm. something i don't know yeah, versus no, it, it other is pricing breakouts because they had they started in 2010 so i give you that's basically when they were founded so you know we'll assume their 2019 right will be their uh their ipo so just to give you a sense of you know so they started 2010 it took um at 2013, they say they surpassed 100 customers, right? So that gives you three years. But then mm. in 2015, they got to 1,000 customers. And then 2017, they got to 5,000. So it kind of gives you a sense of, you know, just like what it takes to, to build the scale. And I think, you know, it's it's always interesting to look at this stuff because, you know, in retrospect, it's like they tell like a great story and, it, and the graphs look really, really good. But I, you know, from kind of being around them or hearing about them, I think they started like a lot of people like, hey, we're just going to service like, you know, everything's going to be self-service. We're going to service just the small, medium-sized customers. You know, we're not going to have a big enterprise staff. But then, you know, I think success in growing, this is what it looks like, right? It just, it always is going to be some combination. And I think, you know, they have that typical pyramid-looking customer base where they have a, you know, a couple or, you know, a much smaller base paying, I think it's like 15% of the revenues and just like the top 100 customers or something mm-hmm. like that or a small number. Yeah. And then um, it kind of grows out. But Kind of, kind of like no matter how you start. I mean, this, I mean, this would probably be kind of, this would be channeling some A16Z here. It's like, no matter what you do, very few, you know, you're ultimately going to kind of end up looking like this pyramid, exactly. right? Because, because right, right, right. there isn't really another way to do it, even though everybody kind of starts out. And I think this is where like the A16 always gives the, the uh, like they give all the the younger, I guess I don't know, maybe not even younger, all the entrepreneurs the same thing. Like don't try to reinvent sales and marketing. This is this is kind of how it's going to work. So yeah, well, yeah. It, we but, could but, we but, could but, call but, it the uh, we could call it the funny company name strategy to success, right? You, you start <laughs> off with a with a funny name and you know like ambitions, and next thing you know, you've uh, you've gone to the business model now. Now, to, to make sure we have time for other stuff, I bet one thing that they have in Datadog land, they probably have RBAC, probably even Active Directory integrations. Brings me back, Brandon. What's the deal with yeah. Ping? Just give me, just yeah, give us a few so minutes. Yeah, yeah, just a few minutes. We'll, we'll limit our conversation. Yeah, so Ping, just an access management, you know, uh, was its roots, but it, it also bought a directory, and they've been around for a, quite a long time, I think over at least 10, maybe 15 years. And so they have gone to your earlier question. They've gone the private equity route. They kind of got bought, I think, three or four years ago, kind of like SailPoint, if you follow this area, and then bought up by a private equity firm. And they've now, I guess, grown the business, done a couple acquisitions. Of course, the market, at least right now, is looking pretty good. It seems like everyone wants to get out, you know, right after Labor Day. And they're now going to take it public and, you know, it'll be another access management solution. And in the Slack channel, you know, somebody got uh, said something like, wow, like, are these guys like Okta 
or Okta. Like, why doesn't everyone just use Okta? And it's like, well, you know, there's a lot of enterprise companies out there. A lot of them still have this on-premise access management. So that's what you're getting when you get ping identity. Mm. Well, it'll be it'll be fun to see. What, hopefully, hopefully we'll come across some analysis of how it, it went for the PE firm. That's always fun to see the, uh, the <laughs> value created. Uh, that's going, right, value created. Now, now, you know, speaking of creating value, uh, you know, there's a lot of latent things out there, little little slices of text things. You might call them logs, latent logs that have not had their value realized in in the sense of you know watching how your infrastructure is going. If you if you are trying to unlock value in a company, your computers better work well. They need to be responsive, and you probably one of the ways you're going to unlock value is by not having a bunch of repetitive stuff. And you might want to centralize it. You know, multiple. You know. 10, 20 different moms is a lot to deal with. You want to try to have as few as possible in a unified way. But what's some tool, Brandon, that might help people out when they're trying to unlock value? Well, that's a great question, Kote. And I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their APM tools, Logly. When there's a service disruption, seconds matter. Don't waste time looking for logs or combing through endless screens of events. Let SolarWinds Logly aggregate, manage, and analyze all your log data so you quickly spot issues, jump to the relevant event messages, and identify the root cause. And the Logly in-context integration with SolarWinds App Optics adds rich performance instrumentation and distributed tracing to further accelerate identification of root cause and significantly reduce MTTR. Spend less time troubleshooting and more time innovating with context in your logs. Logly is scalable, cloud-based logs, management that won't break the bank. Plus, SDT listeners get a special 20% off your first year of Logly from now until September 30th. Offer for new customers only. So this is what I want you guys to do. Try it for free for 14 days. Just go out to logly.com slash SDT. That's L-O-G-G-L-Y dot com slash SDT. And if it logs, it can log to Logly. And of course, we thank SolarWinds for being such a tremendous sponsor of Software Defined Tech talk they always had good stickers good diecast stickers of a little log i probably have some of those in my uh, storage things back in austin don't know i you know speaking of i uh, i got that new computer a while ago little little personal computer in the sense of it's mine i didn't just get it not, for, from work and not uh, for your new employer no no and and uh good you good way to try help. to transition there matt right uh but <laughs> uh you know i came here to amsterdam and i didn't bring all my stickers with me so I don't have it. Uh, I don't have the second skin on it. I gotta. I gotta find some more stickers. Maybe during conference season, I'll uh, I'll pick some up. But you know, I don't have all my obscure stickers from like DevOps days, Latvia, and things like that to show how awesome I am. Well, as Matt Ray was mentioning, a lot of the VM world, lots of news. Uh, I think I think uh, now as usual, when there's some like uh, M and A stuff involving me, I'm not going to talk that much about it. But that's that's fine or not. I don't know fine for me. What did y'all think about that? Well, uh, one of, uh, one of my former coworkers is one of the product managers for, uh, uh, pe- for project Pacific. This is what they're calling it. And, uh, but it actually, it actually comes together. Um, like we've seen other times when people are like, we've got this new thing. We're going to, you know, bolt it onto this old thing. Um, from the outside, it looks very well thought out. Right, because it's got it's got something for everyone, um, and generally, uh, what they're what they're so to to kind of recap what they're doing, um, they're taking the existing 
vCenter ESXi stack of software um, and putting the Kubernetes interface on top of it. Uh, they're taking uh, the ESX um, hosts, which are you know kind of their their specialized operating system that runs your VMs, um, and they're making a flavor of that that is native as a kube pod, um, and then uh, you know kind of rolling all this into their tooling so you can see you can slice and dice this however you want if you want to look at it like a kubernetes operator you have that 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 overlay on it but if you're used to the the vmware approach of, of looking at it and the the vcenter uh web interface um you still can apply like you know your storage quotas and and your access controls and um but you have now like you know affinity groups and, and all that fun stuff that you can do inside of Kubernetes, but now it's it's through the, the VMware interface that their users are used to. Um, and so this ties it into that massive VMware ecosystem of, you know, every storage vendor and their, and, and their dog is in there. And, you know, every network vendor, everything works with VMware. It's kind of the point. And so now their job is to be like, you know, bring this new style of, of, of uh, infrastructure to their massive user base, you know, without churning their user base off to the cloud um, as fast as they can go. Uh, so it looks good, you know. I mean, most of the most of the people who, um, who I know who deal with VMware and Kubernetes are excited about this. Yeah, yeah I think it's it's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a mid uh, midway through plug here. So actually, uh, this week I ended up on the Cloudcast uh, podcast with Brian Gracely. So we ended up talking a lot about uh, the pivotal stuff and um, some of the VMware stuff before it happened. So go go check out the Cloudcast and you can get listen to me more more of me talking about the cloud if if you want to hear even more about this. Um, I thought the I think the thing is interesting. I I kind of think of, I always start from kind of the business kind of side first. I I do think in the end. This, if you think through it, it's like you know you always start like, well, why did why would you do this if you're a VMware? And I think I kind of come to the conclusion this is really the only move, right? If you're going to do oh, yeah. Kubernetes and you feel like this is the platform of the future, then you know you've really got two two things you can do: either you know put another group together and do it separately, right? Or you what most companies try to do, and I've been at many of these companies where you're essentially trying to service your current customers. Um, and also ride the wave of the next, you know, trend or important technology development. So that makes sense. So from that perspective, you know, if I'm sitting in the room at VMware and, you know, when they bought Heptio, because I'm sure this is, you know, kind of like all this thinking came together around that. Well, it's like, hey, we start with Heptio and we, we pull us together and, you know, that's going to be the future of our platform. It all makes sense. And the other side of that, um, the other part of that that I would think a lot about, too, is the part that we don't often talk to as much about on this show but you know, as I kind of spend more time with it, is the bulk of the workloads, and my workloads, I also mean the applications, are in VMware, and they're. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, they're going to be in VMware for a long time. Like I think we talk a lot about the microservices and like the newer applications, but if you look at like you know, I talk to customers all the time that have like a thousand applications or five hundred, and what they're saying is they're like some of these things are just like a, like a remedy application, right? It's been built out with some workflows, and it may only have like a couple hundred users, right? But it's really important to provide some really important business functionality inside you know like an oil and gas company or banking application or manufacturing right and so a lot of these applications aren't ever going to be in my opinion like quote unquote become cloud native right they just do this one thing Uh, i guess we would derogatively derogatorily call them like monoliths but they're not even you know i mean they're just small little apps you wouldn't make sense to like 
you know, make a huge set of microservices over this like fairly small, you know, thing. So that makes sense, right? I mean, that's the core of VMware's business. And I think that business will be around for a long time, right? Because I think, you know, it's maybe another way of saying a lot of applications will never be cloud native applications and that's okay, right? It doesn't, they don't need to use all of the stuff. So all of that, I think is sort of the, 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 uh, the bull case. I think the bear case is a little bit like, I don't know. <laughs> I do think from an <laughs> operation standpoint, there are many, many VMware admins and people that have, you know, mostly dedicated probably a big part of their career to like managing that. And I think for them, you know, I can see why they would be receptive of it. That said, I mean, I, I find it, there's a lot of complexity in these announcements as I was trying to go through and read them and new branding and, and everything. And I don't know, this is the part like, you know, sometimes you take two things together and yeah, they're joint customer bases, but it can become overly complex very, very quickly. And well, sometimes that level of complexity can, can, um, if you will, lead to a little bit of confusion, but but I kind of like I'll end on, you know, what I opened with, like, but it, but in the end, right, I think it's VMware's, you know, in my opinion, it's really their only move. It's their answer to OpenShift. It's their answer to kind of like, you know, one of these platforms. They need to be there. Um, but time will tell, like, ultimately, what does the market want? Do they want something a little bit simpler, sh- streamlined and kind of separate the future from the past? Or do they want it all together? Well, and by tying it to their existing VMware stack, you know, that, that people are, you know, paying for. I mean, this is, um, this is, this, they can, they can give it away with upgrades, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so, you know, we've seen that play before where, you know, the customer, the, the vendor may have like one app that everybody buys and then they're like, how do we get people to, you know, roll up onto our new product uh, with the least amount of friction. You know, I mean, with Microsoft, you know, they were giving away Azure credits with your Windows renewals, right? Um, and so, because it's tied to the existing v, vSphere, vCenter stack or whatever, like, you know, there are going to be a lot of shops that, you know, get Pacific for free. You know, yeah. um, one of the things I see in a lot of, of enterprises is there's a massive lag and upgrades for for vmware um you know i i, I mean i'm i think i am not exactly sure what the current release is but i know i know that uh i think it's like seven one seven two something like that mm-hmm. i see customers on six two six three uh you know they're four five six releases back um so this is going to take a long time to roll out roll forward and it, you know the good thing is it gives them time to get it right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, so I think I, I think you're exactly right on a lot of that. And I think, you know, and it will be, you know, there was one other announcement this week that sort of I thought was kind of an interesting parallel was Platform 9, which is basically a hosted Kubernetes, like on-premise, right? They'll go in and just stand up Kubernetes. So they raised $25 million, And it's kind of interesting, right? You're seeing, you know, the bets are becoming much more clear, right? You have the three public cloud vendors, all with their own Kubernetes uh, versions. And those are really platforms as a service themselves, right? Now we've got um, a pure, a couple pure play Kubernetes companies like Platform Nine. There's a few others out there, and then you have, you know, really uh, OpenShift, and then of course, you know, VMware buying Pivotal and VMware's new announcements. Right? Those are you know, kind of another set of takes. So, um, so really, what we have going forward, I think, what everybody agrees on in the market is it's too complicated. Kubernetes is too complicated, and it needs to be simpler. And going forward is what I think you're going to see. You know, this is whatever, like a thousand flowers bloom or something, right? We're going to see a whole bunch of people try to like simplify it in different ways. And it seems to be some combination of we either, 
make it easy for you to not have to edit YAML or like we abstract it for you or the other way, right? Is we just, we have this whole other methodology that actually makes the YAML editing really simple. So don't worry about it, right? So there's sort of like different like takes that are happening on out there. So in the next two to three years, that's kind of what I think is going to play out, right? And, uh, and maybe an analogy is a good situation here. I spent some time, you know, at Sun, right? Kind of like kind of on the decline and you know, I kind of go back to that situation where, you know, it was clear Linux was going to take over. It was cl- clear Linux was open source. And, you know, at the end, the uh, Sun made it open source, right? Solaris x86. And, you know, it, it, I, was, I remember when that announcement came out and they even tried to open source all of their software. And it's like, in retrospect, I don't know, was it really the right move? But I do look back at like it was kind of the only move, right? You weren't going to put this genie back in the bottle, right? So the best you could do is see if you can compete in a new uh, market. And if not, right, ultimately Sun got acquired by Oracle. Um, and I think, you know, maybe to tell a more positive side is I think Oracle's had these database applications forever, but they have done a good job to your point, Matt Ray, I think is acquiring business applications and kind of integrating them into that whole Oracle, you know, platform. Um, and I think that is, they have done a good job as selling to the base, right? Um, although sometimes people aren't always happy with Oracle licensing, I think that's a success story of like taking more functionality, using your databases and adding more and more applications on and really kind of keeping your customers, um, you know, if you will, subscribing or using your solutions. So what happens with VMware, you know, it's going to be really interesting to watch for the next couple of years. You know, on a, on a related topic, since you bring up, uh, you know, the old sun, sun stuff, is there, is there like, do y'all think... I have no data for this at all, and I'm a software person. But like, is there any market for like uh, expensive hardware anymore? Like, does that exist outside of niche things? Because it's and I ask this because it seems like the um, the problem with Sun is is their hardware was expensive, and then there was just x86 boxes of plenty. And uh, the response, the, yeah. you know, Sun did sell x86 boxes, but I, I'm guessing they weren't cheap. Uh, and then <laughs> I, I remember, I remember at that time, uh, like the the IBM and Sun people were doing a lot of work trying to sort of like convince us analysts that uh, there was a lot of value in these more pricey uh, x86 chunks of hardware. And you know, everyone was kind of like, mm, I don't know. How about, you know, we just run it on a pizza box instead? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's definitely still that, there is that segment of the market of, you know, the high, the high end, high dollar hardware. Um, Oracle uh, still sells a lot of the Spark oh, yeah. hardware. Well, I mean, yeah. You know, they they yeah. still have a hardware division and they're putting, you know, their, their, uh, uh, da- database, uh, you know, integrated database products on it and, you know, your Exadata and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's there, but clearly not the volume of x86. And you know, and IBM still got a, a sizable power business. Um, you know, selling uh, what, high performance computing, HPC, right? There's some like, I guess, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I all, mean, that's, all that's of that is there. again. I don't have the numbers, but I assume that sort of even even if you may, well, I don't know if even, but like you know, the the x86 market is weird because you've got all the the cloud buyers in there, which like screws up the numbers. And so if you somehow weighted it, I just I don't know. Like, yeah. I, on, on the other hand, I bet there's some cool spreadsheets that the Oracle field uses to show you that, like, buying a beefier box is cheaper than, like, modernizing your software. And then you get a, yeah. a beefier box to make your database run faster so you can renew your passport more easily or something like well, that. Well, and, and that's the IBM pitch of, like, running Linux on the 390, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you can put a million containers on this one box. And you're like, oh, that's cool. And how much does that cost? And, you know, can I keep that machine saturated 
to the point where it's you know cheaper than than uh, the equivalent amount of x86 hardware. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I would love. <laughs> It'd be great for the listeners. Somebody must be out there. So find us in the Slack channel. I'd love to hear some examples. But I've been hearing Linux on the mainframe, I don't know, for a long, long time. Before I worked at IBM and I, when I worked there for a little yeah. bit and afterwards, and it's like I never really found anyone doing it. Like as far as like you maybe like it would occasionally come oh, up like a, a yeah. proof of concept. But like really, I guess it's I guess the way I should say it, it's not like no one does it, but it's just it doesn't seem like it, it, it's only these applications that have been around for like a long time. Like I never hear someone like deploying like a like one of these, you know, hive, you know, whatever. It's like a Netflix or one of the, the unicorn sites or just anyone like really running their like main like whatever cloud native business, new business application right, on it. Right. It's all more, it's more like we have these financial applications that we have to run that require the mainframe and we found yeah. some other stuff to do with it. Um, I'm, and, and I think to your earlier question, Kote, I think the reason is the only people that can take advantage of the savings, like you have to be at such a giant scale, right? You have to like know that you've got these massive data centers and all these Linux servers yeah. to then go back through and do the consolidation. But by the, you're at that point, right? Like you've kind of already got it built out. You've probably figured out how to operate it. And, you know, do you want to do the consolidation? It's not like the small startup is going to start and be like, hey, one day it may be more efficient for us to have the mainframe. But, you know, it's mm. just like <laughs> no one thinks that way. It's like and, I, and, and you never hear about because you think the people that could get it would be like take like a Facebook or a Netflix or a Google or whatever, that if it was cheaper, you know, got, kind of going yeah. the other way instead of using all these small, you know, whatever throwaway uh, Linux servers that they would have done the math and been like, yeah, actually, when you get to this scale, it actually does make sense hmm. to stop doing that. But I've and, never read and, a case study where they're like, yeah, we're going the other way. Never seen that. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely going the other way. I mean, but you do see you do you see like, you know, your Facebooks and Google's uh, investing and and Amazon investing in arms. So that even they think like, well, x86 is is overpowered for what we need. Yeah. I mean, it, your question could yeah, yeah. would be that, uh, you know, all of these most all these companies are into their own custom chips, whether it's arm or heart and architecture. Yeah. So maybe that's really where instead of being the high end market, it's people creating chips. And I guess, you know, entire little, uh, what do you call it, system on a chips for specific needs that are that are more, if you will, they're not necessarily more powerful, but they're better at specific tasks. And that seems to have grown quite a bit over the last five, 10 years. I think I think maybe system on a chip is that style of bespoke nacho I was talking about where you uh, so build it all on one chip. And, you know, I, I guess I guess, you know, uh, high dollar x86 hardware is sort of like the, you know, it is. It is if if uh, if all the x86 cheap ones are like Twitter, high value hardware is like Mastodon. Like we we all sort of have heard about it, but we don't really know that many people who use it. I I have an account. I don't know where it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, so yeah, I mean, there's still more VM world uh, churning out there, and uh, other things going on. It'll, it'll be it'll be fun, obviously, for me. To see how, how that pans out there. Well, Coach, I give us what can you give us? Give us the behind the scenes. I feel like uh -huh. we got to have a little bit of uh, how to go down for you. I think you went on vacation. Did you at least get an email saying change your email over to VMware.com? Like, what's going to happen with you guys? Well, Brandon, yeah. as you know, I don't think the deal has closed yet. Oh, I so think, is I it just we can't? Uh, there's no comments. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
I don't know. I was on vacation and like I, I'm pretty studious at just reading public news. There's only so much I want to know because I do, you know, a podcast and stuff. I don't knowing stuff yeah. is dangerous. I don't want to know things. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should knowing you know, stuff. Coach, I know dangerous. you can't say it, but we'll just say congratulations to you. And I know Matt Ray for one is hoping you get your Dell.com email address back. That yeah. would it would yes. all come full circle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mine was really annoying. It was they they made me use my middle initial, so I had to have Ugh. like and underbars. Adele, unacceptable. Yeah. James well, because yeah, a secure Wait, works what? guy, and I also had to use underbars in the email address. It was oh. just it was ridiculous. I don't Gosh. know. Is there one thing that hates a, uh, any uh, company more than an underbar email address? Like, oh, you've been around for a while. Yeah. You, I think a dot. I think thing. dot emails are pretty bad too. Yeah, way back when they used to have people would have pluses in them and stuff. Oh, right. Like geez. it's. <laughs> well so i i just i was just catching up and it looks like speaking of solo wins now we haven't confirmed this but it looks like professor jeremy up in chicago has found the 500th solar winds uh customer in the i Fortune saw that that's exciting so we might need to uh i think i made this promise so we might need to fulfill it of uh sending him a brisket now i don't know if we specified the size or the brisket but <laughs> we should probably get some money out of the uh the, the funds and send him one okay. maybe right, we'll maybe I don't, I don't know if school is in session but maybe he can eat it with his class and uh we'll see how that goes maybe 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 we could get uh brandon to fly it up there bring him you know a uh, vacuum packed brisket from austin next uh-huh. time he's flying to uh great have a little meet up in chicago yeah for a brisket. Chicago. i like it yeah you get you get some brisket and a six pack of shiner you know <laughs> yeehaw uh well so we there's a there's lots of conferences coming up as mentioned i'm going to be uh at the cf summit the cloud foundry summit i think that's um september something i should really look up those dates i have them in my calendar i just don't have them in my mind i got to use that pun that my mind is a colander for calendars uh recently which i just i don't think anyone except me enjoyed that Uh, i oofed you oh that's good that's good (laughs) From from one, you know, got to get a little dad joke humor from the oh dad. Oh my god! So so yeah, I've got I've got three kids. One of my kids loves every dad joke I make, mm. and that keeps me going. <laughs> the you, other's you, still grown. Do you say and the other is laughing every time? Are well, you like your to me your daddy's favorite? Matt. Yeah, He's exactly. Getting, you name him in the will. Uh huh. He's he, such a suck up. <laughs> what what you need to do is is he he's going to be the only kid who knows your lawyer's name. That's 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 how you find the uh, the valued kids. Yeah, and but, he's gonna rock a basilisk me and find this podcast, and he'll know. Did you say basilisk? <laughs> Isn't that uh, how it's pronounced? Yeah, like the thing that turns you into stone. No, that's a gorgon. What's a basilisk? Yeah, yeah, no, the basilisk. Same thing, huh? Huh? Yeah. Well, there you go, <laughs> basilisk, <laughs> which is a type of gorgon because Medusa is a gorgon too, right? I don't a gorgon. I'm not up on my ancient Greek. It's been a long Cocoa time. Yeah. Well, so it, it turns out the Cloud Foundry Summit, September 11th and 12th. I think I'm speaking on the 12th about platform as a uh, as a product. There's all sorts of other stuff going on over there. You should come to that. It's in The Hague. Uh, so book your flight now to uh, come over <laughs> there. <laughs> Maybe there'll be some good stickers. Also, I'll be at DevOps Days London on the 26th and 27th. I'm just ch- uh, chilling, as they used to say, at the table. I think, oh, I've heard it's swagless. Can I just, can I just say, just slight editorialing? Uh, I mean, we had two really hot days here in Amsterdam. It was in the, um, the nineties. I know Brandon's like, oh, 
sounds lovely. Uh, but yep. it was very hot. I've, I've mentioned I cook with charcoal, but this whole like, you know, I'm, I, so I'm obviously, I should be doing my part with this whole swagless conference thing. Straight up bullshit. I just feel like the people who come up with a swagless conference thing are not the ones who like only go to one conference every couple of years. And like, if you go to a conference, it's like getting all that stuff is part of the joy of it. And like, <laughs> I used to get these little cards. That's like, we donated, you know, $50 to, uh, to a, uh, a nonprofit. Yeah. Or even better, they would be like, here's five you could choose from. And you know, that's nice. And I went to a lot of conferences, but I would always think like, I don't know, could I get a pin? Like it just, you know, I, I like, I like, can I get a USB cord? Like, I think, uh, Sometimes, I like that stuff. Yeah. Re- refurbishes your, or renews your, uh, your layer of, of, of crap in your drawer. Yeah. So consequently, I don't think I'll be giving away any free stuff, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll smuggle some in some smuggled swag. That's probably like, yeah, they're, they're an enlightened group up there in London. So they might actually like kick me out or something. You don't, you don't want to do that. Like I found out when I was in Italy last week that, uh, in Vatican city, you can't take a picture of people unless they, a person, unless they give you their permission, uh, which I did not violate that law, but someone like took a picture of our tour guide and she had that guy's ass kicked out after, uh, some, uh, like there was some altercation involved, but, uh, man, they didn't call the Swiss guard with their halberds to come take care of it. But, uh, one of the well-dressed guards came and uh, drug the guy out. Didn't drag him, just dragged him with his mouth, so, so to speak, his words. <laughs> uh, you got anything exciting going on, uh, Matt Ray? Uh, well, I got, uh, I got the Cloud Expo Asia coming up. Uh, we're getting inching closer. We had, uh, <laughs> uh, if, if you d- dive into the threads in our Slack channel, um, on some completely unrelated topic, I talked about it back and forth with somebody for like you know twenty posts in a in a sub thread. So that was uh, that's coming up uh, October tenth and eleventh in uh, our ninth and tenth in Singapore. And uh, Brandon, you'll be happy to know I, I've been working on my proposal for EmacsConf. So I'm submitting a talk at least. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I wonder if our friend Charles Lowell is going to submit to that. Probably not, but boy, he should. It, it's virtual. We're going to blow out the attendance to that. I, I don't know what their normal attendance is, but we're going to have all. Oh, it's a virtual things. conference. Yeah, software yeah. defined talk. That means uh, you, can, mm. you can participate, Cote. Yeah. From we're going to have like a thousand people on that session. Now I least. see. I see they reference the GNU free document license and free software Wait, foundation. What? So on their web <laughs> on their website. So Brandon, this looks like the prime kind of company that would like to sponsor our podcast. You think? Do you think you can, you can hustle them up for a sponsorship? Sure, I'm on it. I'm on it. Adding you it know, to the list right now. Kote, this conference swagless. Ah, that's right. All you get is a little Emacs love. Do they even? Maybe they should. You know, maybe they could send you a graphic. That's that's swagless, right? They probably yeah. would like let cal- us know. Calculate. Matt, Matt, you let us know when it, when the session is, and if you need us to vote it up. I think we got an army. We got an army behind us. Yeah, we should all come Make attend sure it. Selected. We're gonna. We awesome. should. We should break Emacs Conf. Do uh, do what was it? Meta X, Meta C. I forget. I don't. I used to use Emacs. I heard y'all talking about like being able to like execute a remote shell in Emacs. Those are the good old days. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> you could edit a oh, file man. over SCP. It was so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear on that, when you say we, you mean Matt Ray talking about that. that (laughs) Now now I'm reading about like how they're going to do video conferencing. I don't know if I'll be able to do this. Do they do? (laughs) Is there an Emacs thing for that to do video conferencing? No, no. There's some open source. Oh my, of course. 
Yeah. Jamie, oh my gosh! Wow, Matt, don't give up. Install an ice weasel. Matt, we're gonna get through it. It's gonna be great. Don't don't give up. Yeah, that's good. Well, also, can, uh, I, can the, I zoom to that? Also, I I forgot to mention that on Friday of this week, I'll be at uh, Agile Scotland. Probably too late for most people to listen to this, but if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash one ninety four. You can uh, see other conferences we'll be going to, including the lovely Spring One platform in Austin, Texas, October 7th and 10th. There's a $2 off code uh, that you can use that I have now verified, and it actually works, which is key to a discount code. Uh, any any quick follow-up you want to go through, Brandon, before we get to recommendations? Yeah, real quick. We just want to say we had a couple of listeners write in who uh, to get some stickers. And if you want a sticker, just email your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I'll send you one like I sent one to Josh from Vegas. He tells me he does not gamble and is not that into uh, late nights. So that's how he survives Vegas. I told him that's a good plan. Uh, Olaf from Sweden, I hope I said your name right. We sent him off a sticker. So hopefully we're taking friend, care of our friends in the Nordic region. And then Bart from New York, New York, uh, he wrote in and got a sticker. And this this is the review he, he gave us, which I thought was fantastic. Fantastic. It says that uh, you guys are great. Even my wife likes the podcast and she hates when I listen to podcasts in the car together. So I'd like to say wow. Software Defined Talk, we're bringing couples a little bit closer together. So thank you to everyone for uh, writing in and getting stickers. All right, Matt, you still there? <laughs> okay. Oh wait, wait. Have to have to edit All right, long mute at this there. point. Little uh, edit. I, I told I told a great joke, but all right, uh, go ahead. Oh, okay, man, pause. So Three, two, one. Wait. Oh yeah, I need to mark where we are. Forty-six. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'll I'll, uh, I'll uh, we got forty forty-seven. Yeah. Pause. It's still going. I know. I know. Anyway, well, you know, this, this, as my advice is as follows as far as podcasts in the car together, you should really only listen to one podcast at a time. I know you want to optimize your time and listen to like two or three together, uh, but really just do one at a time. It's, it's pretty easy. Uh, and then you don't get confused. So, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this week? Yeah, a couple uh, quick recommendations. I watched a, a great documentary called Free Slo- Solo. Uh, that's uh S-O-L-O, and it's about a, uh, a person that uh, climbs, I guess, one of the hardest, tallest, you know, like peaks, uh, and he does it, on, as, as you may know, free climbing is without a rope. And I will say this was uh, this, one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. It's not a horror movie. It's just a documentary of a man that climbs up, and uh, the stuff that he could do is incredibly uh, impressive, and I think it won an Oscar. And it, it's it's just it's a surprisingly compelling film for someone. You're just like, oh, this is gonna be about climbing, but uh, it is uh, the way they filmed it is it is frightening to just to just watch someone do this. I can't imagine actually doing it. So check out Free Solo. And if uh, you haven't had enough podcasts, I've got a bunch of stuff I've did. I already mentioned it. Go listen to the Cloudcast. It's my interview with Brian Gracely. Thanks for Brian for having me on. Cloudcast is always a great, great show. And then uh, I've even got a little NFL podcast. So if you're bored and you want to listen to a little NFL, go check out GoNFCEast.com. Well, I'm looking forward to that uh, Cloudcast podcast because I see that it is only uh, 42 minutes. No, 39 minutes and 32 seconds. I'm going to assume that's actually like, you know, 35 minutes of content given intros and, you know, outros and stuff. And you, minutes you, of data dog. Yeah, you discuss <laughs> you discuss five topics, and they have at least two ads. 
So I don't know how how y'all do it. That that Brian Gracely must know it had how to actually run a podcast. That is that is a compact show. I I like it. Well done. Yes. Kudos. How about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend this time? Uh well, um th- thanks thanks to Brandon uh last week with uh, the um War Eagle Roll Tide. Uh, I went and uh tracked down uh tracked that down and, and watched that. That was that was quite good. Uh but my uh my pick this week is the uh on the media podcast. Uh they have a uh a, a series called uh, on American Expansion. And I learned a bunch of stuff about America and its colonies that I'd never known about. And it was quite fascinating. Um, and uh, I'll just, you know, if, if you're into kind of the history that you never were really taught, uh, it's a nice, you know, compact uh, listen. Um, you know, I, I don't know how the show notes break down if it's, you know, five sections and two commercial reads but or two ad reads, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it's just talking about like, I did not know that the Philippines was a colony of America. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I knew we kind of something Spanish-American war, but, you know, other than that, I was like, oh, it actually was part of the U.S. for a while. So um, more so than, like, uh, Puerto Rico. And, you know, we lost it. Uh, and, yeah, it's there's all sorts of stuff in there that was really interesting. Um, I highly recommend it. And the secret history of the Beatles. So... Uh, mm. There were several times I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that Spanish Spanish American War, very. Uh, it's like the Forgotten War, but there, there, but there's a lot that went on there. It's an interesting, oh yeah, interesting Time. thing. A lot of a lot of Civil War generals got their their training there and uh, did did. I Came was afterwards. Say, I don't know if it was good work. They did work. <laughs> yes. And now, now, do they talk about being on the media? Do they talk about you know media? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. That, that's that's kind of their thing. Mm. Being being on the media and all. I'm just making sure because you know sometimes podcasts they look to uh, they want to enable that flywheel effect and they want to uh, expand <laughs> out and other things. Well, this week I have I have two things you can put in your mouth as a recommendation. One, uh, when you're here in Amsterdam, often when you get a meal, they give you a mint afterwards, and it's a uh, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. It's the the Wilhelmina mints. And, and, and my wife Kim discovered you can just buy them at the store. So if you've heard my mouth making weird noises, cause I've eaten two of them and, uh, they're, they're, they're not too unhealthy. They're kind of sweet, but they're great. You should get them. They're tasty. Maybe I'll bring some back. I think, I think they would be like a terrible Halloween give out, giving out Ooh. mints. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be <laughs> that or toothbrushes, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> toothbrushes or mints. Uh, give out mints to the little stinkers. And then also, uh, you know, I'd never really tried this until I was in Italy last week, but they have this, this drink limoncello or limoncello. I forget how to pronounce Italian. There's something about a ch is a C or it's a double C. I don't remember. First of all, thanks for the people who gave me recommendations for Italy. That was helpful. What I discovered is that what I want to order, uh, for the American coffee liker is something called Cafe Lungo. Which is not a big coffee, but it's basically an espresso that's like, as far as I can tell, like one to one of espresso in boiling water. So it's uh, it's pretty tasty. But uh, the limoncello is a lemon flavored liqueur. It's you make it really cold. It's delicious. So you should just have some. And with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 194 because that is the episode number. And we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.